You are listening to an M Pavilion podcast, conversations about design and the world we live in. For more, visit our archive at library.mpavilion.org and subscribe wherever you find your podcasts. Thank you so much for joining us this evening, um, or joining me. I'm just the one person. I um, am from the School of Life. I'm the National Program Manager here for the School of Life in Australia. And my name is Polita Cameron. This evening you can call me Polly, should you wish. And it's a pleasure to have you all here as we share just an hour together in conversation um, about the concept, the ideas and some key techniques around storytelling as therapy. And it's beautiful to be gathered here this evening um, at the M Pavilion to talk about storytelling. So it's within that context that I want to acknowledge the Boon Wurrung and the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation who have gathered here for over 100,000 years sharing stories and acknowledge their elders past, present and emerging and any Indigenous or Torres Strait Islander people here this evening and the power of their stories and their culture that can and should continue with us. Who here has uh, heard of the School of Life or been to a School of Life thing? Oh, quite a few of you. Welcome. Hello. Familiar faces. For those of you who aren't perhaps as familiar with the School of Life, we have quite a, a grand uh, vision and desire to try and connect people with um, emotional intelligence, to try and develop people's self-awareness and identity of themselves, which can seem quite far outreaching and hard to sort of really understand. So I like to think about emotional intelligence really in a very simple terms, which is just how to learn to be kind and a good person. Kind to yourself, first and foremost, and kind to other people and hopefully kinder to our planet and the world at large. And storytelling has a great deal to do with that. The stories that we tell ourselves about ourselves, the stories that we tell about our community or our family or our friends, our nation, our culture, how we tell our history, what we don't tell about our history, perhaps. So we're going to be exploring the themes of storytelling this evening. And the way that I like to engage in this topic is... Uh, quite interactive. So I won't be sitting here and talking to you for the next hour. You can breathe a sigh of relief. Um, I'll be inviting you all to share some stories and think about storytelling and share with each other. I'm actually, that's a good reminder, I'm going to hand out some pens and paper. If you brought your own journals, please feel free to use that. But I'll pass this around now quickly. Now, for some people, the idea of turning to someone they don't know or indeed maybe scarier, someone they, they do know and sharing something about themselves is, uh, you know, paramount to being in front of a firing squad. So if that's you, you're completely safe here. You do not need to talk to someone. You do not need to share something. You do not want to. You're very, very welcome to just simply say, I'm happy with my own thoughts right now. And the person that receives that doesn't need to take that personally. It's personal for the person that's sharing that. It's personal for them to stay with themselves and their own thoughts and reflections. But we don't need to take it personally if someone says that to us. So that's an invitation for people who would rather just reflect and journal themselves and, and maybe think about the prompts that I'm taking you through and, and write them down. 
And for people like me, who get extremely excited about the idea of turning to someone and sharing your thoughts, I've got you covered. We're going to be doing that this evening. And perhaps there's an invitation too for people like me who are eager to share things to slow down and make sure that they're giving enough space as well for the person that they're sharing with so that they are also heard. The idea around storytelling, of course, is, is to share and to receive so you're seen and you're seeing others. Beautiful. So we're going to actually put that quickly into practice. I'm going to ask you to turn to someone near you in a moment. And I want you just to explore a very simple question that we'll come back to as well at the end of tonight. Are you needing paper down here? Oh, it's slowly, it's slowly coming around. Eager. I want you to, in a moment, turn to someone near you and I want you to ask this question of them and also answer it in return, just for a couple of minutes. What is something that might have happened to you in this past week or so that surprised you or that piqued your curiosity? So something that surprised you or piqued your curiosity. It doesn't have to be a big grand thing. It could be something little. And I'll just give you a couple of minutes to find someone nearby, maybe someone you came with or someone you haven't met yet. And if you want to just journal it on your own as well and just do some private thinking around that, you're very welcome too. I'll give you a few minutes now. Thank you for engaging in that one. It's lovely to hear all of your chats. Um, so we're going to move forward and talk about the power of storytelling and uh, storytelling as a therapeutic concept and a therapeutic technique. Um, and obviously when we're talking about storytelling as therapy, we're inherently saying that it can have power. It can affect change. Otherwise, we wouldn't think that it could be therapeutic. Um, and I also want you to just keep in your minds then the idea that if storytelling can be therapeutic, that it has an inverse effect potentially as well. And that the stories that we tell and that the stories that we surround ourselves with and imbibe can also harm, which we'll touch on a little bit later. But it's just something I wanted you to just hold in your minds for now. So I'm going to read out a, a short quote here by Jonathan Adler, who some of you might have heard. He's a little bit of a father figure around narrative therapy, which is what um, the sort of storytelling as therapy concept is based around. Um, and he was also a neurosurgeon and he did um, quite a few studies around... Um, the therapeutic technique of the way that we tell stories about ourselves. And he says this, Identity is best understood as the collection of stories we tell about our lives. We tell these stories to provide our sense of self with unity and purpose and so we can understand why we do the things we do. I'm going to read that just one more time so that it sinks in. Sometimes we need quotes twice. Identity is best understood as the collection of stories we tell about our lives. We tell these stories to provide our sense of self with unity and purpose, and so we can understand why we do the things that we do. Why we do the things that we do. So he's talking as well there around developing narrative and stories to understand motivations and what drive us and what potentially drives other people. And there's something interesting in storytelling as therapy, which can be therapeutic. Stories can be therapeutic, obviously. But the harmful bit here is when something might happen that uh, 
we're struggling to grapple with. There might be something that's traumatic that's going on in our lives or that we're witnessing. And often there's a human tendency to want to sweep in and fill that void with story. We're meaning-making creatures, of course. And so we'll rush in to try and join a lot of the duts because that will bring us a sense of calm, perhaps, in a sense, a little bit of a sense of control. I understand why that happened. I did this um, a few years ago. I went through a bad breakup and it was the very first thing I did. Um, to the nth degree, I sat down. It was the day after. All right, right, okay. I need to understand what happened there. What went wrong? What was the moment? What was the thing that I said that undid this love that I had? And the, the caution there, of course, is that we rush in and often fill in those voids with stories that might not necessarily make sense. And if we get too fixed to a, a particular story and potentially wrap our identity around them, like Jonathan Adler talks about around storytelling, it doesn't really allow us to grow and to move and to shape and evolve. So I just want you to think about in this next piece, the idea around the stories that we're telling about our identity and whether they're serving us or not. And you'll see this happen a lot um, in different contexts, sometimes politically or um, if we get too fixed to an idea and we wrap our identity around it, any kind of threat to our opinion can feel like a threat to our identity, which can be a very dangerous area to move in. Now, when we're talking about storytelling in this context, um, I'm talking about storytelling quite broadly. So sometimes when we think of storytelling, we'll imagine, you know, picturesque campfire and, you know, myths and legends and that sort of storytelling. But obviously here, we're talking quite broadly around the different formats of storytelling that exist and have existed for a millennia, for as long as humankind. And I refer here to poetry and to music, to the media and the news outlets that we have and the essays that we read. So these are all forms of storytelling that we are surrounded by, whether we're conscious of it or not. Everyone is participating in and distributing stories. And certainly the conversations that we're having with people are stories that we're experiencing. And we've been fascinated by stories for a very long time. We're always interested in other people's lives. We're social creatures. And sometimes we can think that our love of stories is sort of maybe petered out around the sort of Jane Austen era where we would sit under a, a tree and, and, you know, and read Pride and Prejudice. But obviously our obsession with – you remember those days, don't you? Yeah, they were beautiful. So storytelling – obviously our obsession with storytelling continues. I mean, you think of the phenomena of Game of Thrones and the millions of people that view that final episode like it was a religion. And some might think, well, Game of Thrones has absolutely nothing to do with our lives. But of course, there's the universal themes that are always driving us to – want to understand ourselves better. So this leads us to the very first kind of concept that we're talking about here around storytelling as therapy and the power of story. Hello, Chopper. Which is that we, uh, we, we gravitate towards stories in order to feel a sense of communion. So we're looking firstly at this theme of communion and that we're interested in stories that make us feel a little bit less alone that maybe reflects something back to us of ourselves. I went through that too. The Me Too movement, beautiful examples, people sharing stories, me too. I've been through that too. So this is the idea of communion and solace that we can find. And people are 
constantly searching for this sort of connection. And we search for it in our relationships and in the conversations that we have. Now, I'm going to talk to you about a concept that we have at the School of Life around connection in conversation. Because I think people often... You might leave a, a dinner table gathering, for example, and you've had some really great chats that night. You had a few bottles of red wine and things were really shared and you said that thing that you hadn't told anyone or you didn't even realise until it came out of your mouth and you walk away and you feel deeply a part of a community or, or a deeper sense of friendship and belonging, right? I think it's safe to say that we've all had those moments. And I think for a lot of us, we can think that they were just this miraculous you know, a cauldron of just the right, perfect bottle of Shiraz. But at the School of Life, we don't think this is a, 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 a magic trick, a miracle. We think there are actually choices that you can make every time you enter a conversation that might lead you towards those sorts of conversations where you will feel a deeper sense of connection with someone. And we, these, we call these conversation crossroads. It's a very dramatic name for this concept. And the conversation crossroad is where we have a choice to either stay in the shallower part of the conversations where most of us live every day at the water cooler with our colleagues and our mum on the phone. Polly, what did you do this weekend? Who did you see? Where did you go? What did you eat? What did you do? Facts. Those are the factual kinds of conversations that we all have and we stay in quite a lot and are fine, but they don't really provide us with that deeper sense of connection. So there's the surface level kind of conversations that we often have. And then the other crossroad is the deeper self conversations. Those are the moments and the opportunities where you can go more into the feeling questions. How did it feel to catch up with that friend you hadn't seen since high school? That would have been big. Do you think you changed much or had they changed? In what way? So I'm really digging into your soul here. I apologise. We just locked eyes. I was going there. Okay, so we're going to do a little exercise around the conversation crossroad idea. I can give you another couple of quick examples to start thinking about it. And then in a moment, I'm going to throw this over to you to find someone perhaps that you haven't spoken with yet. And just try out very gently, if it feels comfortable for you, to start making those choices where you lead gently and slowly into perhaps the deeper self kind of questions. So if someone throws out to you, I'm really excited, I'm, um, I'm going away with the family this weekend, we're going to go camping. And this person might say, oh, great, how long are you going for? Lovely, easy, surface level question. Some of the other questions might be, you know, have you been away with your family much? Do you spend much time together? Are you close with your family? You get my point. You can slowly lead down into a more meaningful kind of area where you can discover a little bit more about a person. We're talking about this in context of a conversation, but obviously writing and telling stories is the exact same. It's much more interesting if someone's telling you a story about something that they discovered about themselves in this last week rather than just, I went to this restaurant and it was great. Mind you, I want to know where that restaurant is because that is fascinating to me. Okay, I'm going to give you a couple of minutes and I want you to explore this concept of the conversation crossroads with someone else here. As I said earlier, you're very welcome if you'd rather just spend time with yourself. Perhaps the exercise could be to just write out um, 
in response to the earlier question about something that surprised you this week um, and, and have a bit of a conversation with yourself on paper and see if you can dig a little bit deeper. Why did that surprise you? Why again? And see if you can get down a few onion layers. If you choose to have a conversation with someone else in this section, I just invite you again to be respectful of making sure that both people have opportunities to share and to respond. That's more a reminder to myself because I'm a big sharer. Okay, I'll give you a couple of moments now to have a conversational crossroads with someone. How was your conversation crossroads moment? Did anyone uh, find it particularly difficult to even think of the conversation questions that can be asked to take you deeper? Yeah? You found it a little tricky? Can so I, I ask what some of your questions might have been? You don't have to tell us <laughs> the answers, but just out of curiosity. Uh, well, Sarah went to Golden Plains on the weekend. Woo! Yes. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> um, and usually she, she, go, she has been quite a few times before and she goes with a group of people that, um, yeah, are quite close to her. Anyway, one of the questions was how does she, how does okay? she like, navigate newer groups of people? Um, so, yeah, that was something I probably wouldn't have asked her before now. Um, and wouldn't have thought to ask her, we wouldn't have thought to discuss. Yeah, that's great. It's like interesting to share that. Yeah. I've run this <laughs> with a group before um, and sometimes putting a framework around something or making it a bit of a game can give people permission as well to ask things or share things that they might not do and it was really beautiful. I ran this with a group and there was a, an, um, a father of a teenage daughter who was having trouble connecting with her and we spoke about and ran this exercise in the group and I saw him the following day and he reported that he did that over dinner that night and really pitched it to his daughter as this, you know, wacky school of life game, you know, however it works, package it however you like, call it wacky, I won't, I won't be offended. And they did this and it was really beautiful to hear the results that he had and he did feel a, a deeper sense of connection with his daughter. I think she felt like she could share with her dad, whereas before if he'd asked her some of these questions, she might have felt like, oh, you're prying dad, you know, don't be creepy and weird, I don't want to tell you these things. So, yeah, sometimes having a bit of a container of a vessel around something helps. That's beautiful. Thanks for that. Anybody else want to share how that experience was? Did anyone find it really easy? And they were just like, I talk like this all the time. Yes. Great. There's one at the back. High five. <laughs> Did you want to share about how that was for you then? Were you like, I got this? I thought maybe someone else would also, I wouldn't be the only one putting my <laughs> hand up. Um, but I, I guess because I was, I was, we've had a very easy conversation and I sort of came in late. So I was, but um, yeah, I, I guess the day was quite tender for me because I'd gone to like a therapy session and I was quite open and feeling, you know, very open to talk about what had, because that was a part of my surprise. Um, but yeah, we both shared things that was like, big things about I guess yeah. life so it was really it was really nice and both yeah it was very even <laughs> yeah that's beautiful it's a good point you raise about the even thing as I might have mentioned I'm a sharer so being really aware of when and how much of course to share and making sure that there feels like there is an even um, reciprocation around these exercises and when you choose to maybe bring more consciousness and awareness to how vulnerable you are with someone. It's a really, yeah, it's a really good thing to keep in mind. There's an exercise we also run at the School of Life. Um, if you enjoyed that exercise, you'll love this one. It's called Vulnerability Tennis. 
Or vulnerability uh, frisbee. If you're in more than a pair, we, we have a great time coming up with titles for these things, you can imagine. And vulnerability tennis, again, plays on this idea of making sure that it's even. So it can start with... Um, I stayed in a hotel last weekend and... Oh, we're not, we're not making eye contact. Is this, am I making you uncomfortable? Okay. <laughs> really zeroing in on people tonight, I don't know why. Uh, so I stayed in a hotel on the weekend and um, I stole something from the mini bar. You know, it's a little, it's a little vulnerability thing. It's not true, by the way, I'm a very good person. This is the first thing that came to mind because I wish I'd done it, but I couldn't. So then that person might share something kind of of a similar, you know, they wouldn't say, you know, when I was 16, I drunkenly drove over, so, you, know. you know, you're kind of matching like for like in vulnerability tennis exercise. So that can be one to think about as well if you're thinking of wanting to connect with someone on a deeper level and, and maybe turning it into a bit of a game. Um, gamifying something can be good. So vulnerability tennis and making sure obviously that you're hitting an equal, you know, the analogy of the tennis of course, that you're hitting with an equal force so that the ball comes back to you. So there's, there's the concept of evenness. Any other final thoughts on the conversation crossroads? I like to give a little bit longer for people that maybe are a bit shy about sharing. So my pauses are sometimes uncomfortably long and that's why. Beautiful. We're going to move on and we're talking about the second concept of the three tonight around storytelling as therapy. And many of you will probably predict this one. It's another C and we're talking about consciousness. So we're bringing conscious awareness to the stories that we tell. And I'm also a big fan of bringing conscious awareness to the stories that we take in. Um, a few years ago, I decided to do a full audit on all the things that I was taking in, all of the news articles and the emails I was getting and the social media groups I was following. Some of you might have already done this as well and I highly recommend doing that quite consciously as an exercise. It's an exhausting one and it takes a few hours. Um, but this stuff is drip feeding into us. It has an effect on our psyche. It's coming in and telling us things about the world. So just being really careful about what you let in. Um, and, you know, it depends on what your concerns are. At the time, I really wanted to make sure that I was getting some positivity in there and it wasn't, you know, creating a, a comparison nightmare for me in my life. And I was looking at people doing wonderful things and backbends on beaches that I can't do and feeling terrible about it. But some people might, you know, do the same exercise and be filtering more to have um, perhaps less bias in one area in their life and making sure that there's some evenness about what's being represented and, and coming through to them. So when we're talking about consciousness in relation to storytelling, we're bringing awareness to some of the questions like, um, who's missing from this story? Who's telling this story, perhaps, as well? What's being included? What's not being included? What's being emphasised? And what's not being emphasised? And, of course, there's a lot of importance around all of that when we tell our own stories about our life. I've also found... I'm trying to kick a, a bad habit that I have around retelling a story that was very stressful and then reliving that stressfulness again. So when you're running late to something and you've had this horrific time to get there and all the things that could go wrong went wrong and you've got this and, you know, did that and then the traffic, you know, all the things. And then you get to said destination, you know, this beautiful dinner with someone and then you choose to recount the stressful situation that you just went <laughs> in great detail for 20 minutes and therefore relive it and then dump that on that person as well. So that's a, that's a dirty habit I'm trying to kick too. So thinking about the stories that we choose to tell as well. 
Now, I'm, I'm leading you into an exercise. We only have an hour, so I would often prime you a little bit more for this one. I'm going to throw you in because you feel like, feel like you're ready for it. You're a great group. We'll see how we go. So this is the, called the first sentence exercise, very innocuous sounding title of an exercise, but it's, it's a deep one. And we uh, had a workshop, the School of Life worked with um, an amazing, amazing poet, theologian and conflict um, resolution expert from Ireland, Padraig Otuma. Does anyone know Padraig here? Please look him up. Padraig has a, a podcast called Poetry Unbound. If anyone is a fan of Krista Tippett and the On Being podcast, he's a very good friend. And the Poetry Unbound podcast is um, a production of the On Being studios. And he is just a profound spiritual conflict healer. And we did a full day workshop with him and he explored this idea of the power of what we say in its simplest form. And... He developed this exercise. I'm going to read it exactly the way that he words it because it's quite particular. So for this exercise, I'm going to invite you to have some solo time. So I want you to reflect on the question that I'm going to put to you. And then if you feel comfortable doing so, I'll ask you to share what you've written. So I just want to flag that from the outset that the opportunity to share this with someone is present in a moment, I'll ask you to share that with someone near you and have a conversation about it. So the question is this. If right now you were to tell the story of your life, what would the first sentence be? I'll read it again. If right now you were to tell the story of your life, what would the first sentence be? Something might come to mind straight away. Sometimes it takes a little while to percolate. So I'll give you a few minutes. We'll put some tunes on. I just want you to sit in that question for a little, little while. What would the first sentence be? Okay, I'm impressed. You all seem to be doing that exercise. So I guess you were ready for it after all. Does anyone want to share what their first sentence of their life would be? Anyone game? I'll share mine with you. We'll kick it, we'll, I'll kick it off. So I'm going to tell you what the first sentence is and then we'll explore a few questions around it which might help your thinking as well around the sentence that you wrote down. And this was honestly the first sentence that I wrote when I did this exercise with Padraig. She loved... She loved. Two words. That was the first sentence. So in this exercise, I'd invite you to ask a few questions around the sentence. Firstly, you can just think about first impressions of what that sentence brings up. What kind of an idea. Pretend you don't know me. You can't see me. You know nothing about my life. And you just heard the sentence she loved. It was the opening sentence of a book that you're about to read. What do you think about this person or about her life? What sort of impression do you get? Does anyone want to share some ideas? Um, 
I just like how it's. I lo- she loved. It's also like she laughed. So it's just a happy person, you know. Just n- no, it's an image of beauty and happiness. I like that it's not about you, but about others. So she, or actually in both senses. So she loved whatever she loved, but also she loved others and everything. So I think that's a nice like duality in it. Any other thoughts? I think it, it could also be that she was born out of someone who loved. I guess I noticed it was in the past tense. She loved and she's not currently loving. Loving, yeah. Good notice. Did I miss someone? I guess that she loved but she's open to learn to love again. That's beautiful. I love all of those reflections. Does anybody else want to share their sentence or we might do this in pairs? We might do this in pairs. Oh, yeah. Yeah, share your... Yeah, I'd love to hear your sentence. Sweet. Uh, So my one goes, uh, improvisation has created so many beautiful and powerful moments in my life. Improvisation has created so many beautiful and powerful moments in my life. Did you guys notice that he spoke in the first person? There was a difference there. She loved. I experienced so much in my life. There's a lovely sense of ownership that I felt in that sentence. Any other thoughts? It's a little bit of doom and gloom for the afternoon. Um, This is not where I expected myself to be, but I know I own the story. The choice is mine. Why is it so hard to know while knowing everything? Um, This is not where I expected myself to be, but I know I own the story. The choice is mine. Why is it so hard to know while knowing everything? Does anyone want to reflect on either of those first sentences? Things you noticed? Impressions that were made? What do you think the age... I mean, we can see you, but pretending that we can't, what do you think the ages of those two sentences would be of those people? interesting how much we can get from one sentence. All right, I'm going to ask you to turn to someone near you. Very, We'll do this quite briefly, but I just want to give you guys the opportunity, if you wish, to share your sentence with someone else. And when you do that, the only thing that I will ask of you is when you, if you're the sharer, if you're giving someone your sentence, is that you then just receive. You say nothing. I just want the person who has heard your sentence to just Share a bit what they heard, what they sense. What do you think the book would be about if that's the first sentence? What's the rest of the story? And just share without the receiver, without the, the sharer to 
say anything and then vice versa. We'll swap over if you feel comfortable. Just a couple of minutes on this one. Thank you for doing that one. Did it feel comfortable to share that with others? Was it? Feel, did you feel a bit exposed? Did anyone? Yeah. Very exposed. <laughs> we see you. <laughs> Now that you're in. Yeah, 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 yeah. Were there any um, impressions that people really felt were spot on? So someone might have heard your sentence and, yeah, and they totally got it. Um, so my friend Bridget here, she really knows me well and we connect really powerfully. So I think she just... Um, knows me sometimes even better than I do myself. So, yeah, she nailed it on the head. And I was like, oh, I didn't think of that. <laughs> Anyone else? Any interesting reflections? Any surprises? Thanks. I guess I found it difficult um, to do it because I was kind of self-critiquing from the start anyway and it's kind of like why would you kind of like write a sentence to your story because I don't know what value you can bring so I was talking about that and yeah I mean I, I definitely had ideas but it felt just a bit I don't know embarrassing or shy or something like that to like put it down on paper yeah, yeah. self-conscious definitely no <laughs> I did study that for like a year but I don't anymore. Did you get a I, I did write one, but I changed my mind. <laughs> that is perfectly all right. This is just a sentence of our story in our life at the moment. I'm sorry? That's the sentence I changed my mind. Oh, yes. Did you hear that? I'm sorry, I didn't catch your name before. Shane said, is that the sentence? I changed my mind. That should be the, the first sentence. Could be. <laughs> I changed my mind. I wonder how big that book will be. There'll be lots of scratch marks. This isn't good enough. Mm. I'm not going to psychoanalyze that. It's very tempting. We would. I'm going to leave that one. You can think about it. Um, so that's consciousness and awareness. And we're going to just step into our very final concept and exercise for this evening. And this one is really where a lot of the power lies in the stories that we tell and the stories that we listen to. Um, so the concept that we're going to focus on as our final chapter for this evening is agency. So the idea of feeling empowered, of really owning the stories that you're sharing. Um, and they can be really tiny things or they can seem really tiny. I, I grew up with an artistic mother who, of course, thought she had a very artistic daughter who therefore can't do math, which I absolutely believed and told everyone, I'm terrible at numbers, I can't do, I can't do, and I would just get terrified if, you know, we're at a group, you know, restaurant and how do we split the bill and, I don't know, just take my money. <laughs> yes, that's probably enough, is it? I don't know. You know, the, the terror, the, te the sheer terror of being anywhere near a number. And the um, person that I was seeing, we went overseas together and I just gave him all my money and I was like, can you deal with the foreign currency 
situation here. I don't know what a BART is. Good luck with that. I want that bag though. Get a good price. And he absolutely refused. He said for the entire trip, you're going to manage the money. This is on you now. You're going to do all of it. And after I swore for quite a while, I took it on and I started to get better at bloody math, didn't I? Because for such a long time, I just didn't think I was any good at it and was terrified and didn't want to do anything. And ergo, I was terrible at math. Anyway, tiny example. I'm still working on it. I still wouldn't claim that I'm terribly good at math. But the power of how we identify and what we wrap ourselves to is enormous. And there's so much that we get wrapped to and, and, and yoked to when we're little, when we're young. That's just such, a, such an example of, you know, yeah, you're the creative chick or you're the, the sporty guy. And then it can be very hard to make any other space to explore other parts of ourselves. We're complex creatures. There are many parts of ourselves. And sometimes we just don't get enough permission to explore those different areas. So we're talking about agency in this final one. Um, and again, there's a, a writing exercise I'm going to ask you to do. Um, and this exercise I borrowed from my good friends at Dumbo Feather. Has anyone read a Dumbo Feather magazine? Yeah, a few of you. It's a quarterly magazine and they focus on storytelling. So the entire magazine is stories with extraordinary people. And they have this exercise, which is called the UI exercise. And I'm not going to tell you anything really about it. No preamble. We're just going to do it. So this is how you do it. I want you to think back to the story that you shared with someone at the start of this evening. The surprising moment... The, the thing that surprised you in this past week. Cast your mind back to that. All those 59 minutes ago. And think about that story as you write it out in your own time on a piece of paper. And I want you, instead of writing in the first person, I walked down the street and I ran into someone, you're going to write in the third. You're going to say she or he or they. So don't think about it too much. I just want you to write about it in the third person. Great, this is going to be a very quick exercise um, before we run out of time. I want you to take the stories that you've just written and if you can, find the person that you spoke to at the start of the night and shared your surprising story with. And I want you to just very quickly have a conversation around how the story changed when you were writing it just now in the third person and when you spoke about it to that person in the first person. So have a quick conversation about the difference in writing with the perspective zooming out in the third person and sharing the story when you were in it. So have a quick conversation, if you can, with the person that you spoke with when you first arrived. Thanks, everyone. We'll wrap that one up when you're ready. Graham um, gave me permission to talk about this. Um, he shared something that I think is really valid, which is that this exercise, the IU exercise, is most potent when you're changing and exploring something that was a, that's a deep, um, <laughs> a deep observation of yourself, a deep, deeper, deeper experience. So for this one-hour activity, I chose to, you know, make sure that it was a bit of a safe kind of exercise that we were exploring with, so hence the surprising moment that you had in the week. But I think Graham's point is a really valid one. So I would encourage you later, if this is of interest, to choose something that might, an experience that might 
um, be a little bit deeper and maybe a bit more challenging to explore or um, yet and then to play around with it. Is the outcome to then let go of that story or to sort of show yourself compassion or to sort of get to the story you're telling yourself to the truth of it? There's no one answer to that question. I love that you asked it. Um, the point is always to explore and what comes up comes up. So there's no set. But I think the out if those were some of the outcomes, then fabulous. Getting a, yeah, a, a bit of self-compassion, wonderful. A bit of perspective, letting go of a story that might not serve you anymore, all beautiful outcomes if that's what comes up. So I'm going to wrap things up quickly now this evening our hour has been spent I hope you had a beautiful time I certainly enjoyed it um, I'll leave you with some homework because at the school of life we adore homework <laughs> but don't worry I won't be checking that you've done it so uh, two questions I want you to think about walking away from this evening if I can remember them they're flying out of my brain they were come back to me um, got them don't worry the butterfly net, I just, okay. So <laughs> if that image made any sense to anyone other than myself. So the two questions are, what is something that you need to hear from someone? And what is a story that you need to tell? So what is something that you feel you need to hear from someone? What is someone not telling you that you think you need to hear? And what is a story that you need to tell? Maybe just to tell yourself. So those are the two questions I'm going to leave with you this evening. It's been an absolute pleasure. If you live in Melbourne or Sydney, you can come visit us at the School of Life. We're just in St Kilda here um, in Surrey Hills in Sydney. We have classes and events all the time. Um, we also have a lot of content online um, and we explore a lot of this stuff. So you can look at the School of Life YouTube channel or there is um, a website called the Book of Life, which is essentially the content engine of the school where there's lots of articles. Enjoy your evening. I hope you feel empowered about the stories that you're going out and telling and thank you so much for joining me. You're listening to an M Pavilion podcast, conversations about design and the world we live in. For more, visit our archive at library.mpavilion.org and subscribe wherever you find your podcasts.